Welcome to Creators Are Brands, part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. I'm your host, Tom Boyd, and this is the show that explores how storytellers are building brands online. And today, I break down one of my favorite tweets, and I think it is a useful tweet for creators, so I'm sharing it on this show. 90% of success boils down to doing the obvious thing for an uncommonly long period of time without convincing yourself that you are smarter than you are. This is a tweet, not by me. I, I wish it was by me, but this tweet is by Shane Parrish. I bookmarked this tweet though. So, uh, I mean, we, we, gotta, we gotta give me some credit for that. <laughs> then I was like, you know what? This is, a, this is a really banger tweet. I need more people to see it. So I made a video about it and it went semi-viral. Then I posted it again and guess what? It went viral again. And then a couple of months went by. I didn't have anything to post one week. And I said, all right, let's see how it performs again. And it performed even better. It had many people feeling a type of way. <laughs> Some people agreed. Other people were adamantly opposed. They said, what about luck? What about talent? What about connections? See, I think what he's saying is that's the other 10%. But the other 90%, you can be responsible for if you so choose. And regardless of whether that's true or not, I think that belief is empowering. I believe that it's a useful mindset to have. <laughs> and obviously an important part of the debate is, how are we even measuring success? You can't obviously spell out all the details alone in one little tweet, but when you heard the word success, where did your mind go? Is it money alone? How about relationships? How about setting yourself up to work on projects you love or with people you love? Spending time working on things you, that feel meaningful to you, that make an impact in some way. How about time freedom? How about the ability to say no and decide what you want to work on? What about happiness? Are, is, are these successful individuals, are they happy? Are they freaking happy? And, and even with that, how is happiness even measured? Are they mentally and emotionally where they want to be? So, and, and listen, like, obviously not everyone is starting out at the same point. But I'd argue that a lot of rich kids I know, even though that they've been provided a lot of opportunity, all of these varying forms of success are still on them to create. And they're all factors when it comes to defining and measuring what success is. But for the sake of this episode, in our scenario, I'm going to break down this tweet phrase by phrase through the definition of success when it pertains to a specific goal. For example, you have a goal to write an ebook and get 1,000 people to buy it. You have a podcast and you want to average 5,000 listens per episode in the next three months. These are specific. These are measurable. You want to create short-form videos and get 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Hitting these numbers or even being in the ballpark makes it successful. And if you've listened to this show, you know how I feel about specific audience size goals. Sometimes if we only focus on the amount of subscribers or getting a certain amount of views, we can sacrifice the integrity of our content and our messaging. So the, 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 the part that we can measure is only part of the story, but it can be useful to have in mind as it provides some direction. And I think it's the best when you're able to pair it with a process goal. So a process built around how many times you show up for the work. For example, the person that wants to get 1,000 people to buy his ebook, 
his process goal could be writing every day for 30 minutes for 90 days. So as we're breaking down this tweet, think about the de definition of success around a specific and measurable goal. So let's get into the tweet. 90% of success boils down to doing the obvious thing. The beauty of this is that the obvious thing is the thing that is in our control, the thing that we're responsible for, the work. Chop the wood, carry the water. <laughs> for me, if I want to get 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, the thing that is right in front of me is what I control, can control. It's writing every day, writing scripts every day, writing better scripts and outlines every day. It's researching what works. It's creating time blocks so I can create the videos. It's being ruthless about protecting my time from distractions. And scrolling mindlessly on social media, we're probably at the top of the list. This is obvious, right? But it's creating the system to protect my time. It's showing up every day for that process, meditating on the type of person I need to be to hit this goal, meditating on who I'm becoming in the process of hitting this goal, acknowledging the successes and the wins on the journey to get there. It's taking strategic breaks and making time for relaxation and play. It's building relationships with other people who have similar goals and pushing each other. <laughs> then it's back to writing every day. <laughs> it's, the, it's not sexy at all. It's the little habits in aggregate. And most importantly, keeping this quote top of mind. I got this quote from Tom Bilyeu. I only do and believe that which moves me towards my goals. <laughs> Saying yes to the things that help me get there and saying no to the things that slow me down. <laughs> so th this is all again, like I, I probably said nothing new there. That's the obvious things. The next phrase <laughs> for an uncommonly long period of time, 90% of success boils down to doing the obvious thing for an uncommonly long period of time. We've been lied to. We've been lied to everywhere we go. We've been lied to ever since we could understand language. We've been lied to by the stories we're told, but not in a malicious way. But 99% of the stories we're told are just not the entire truth. The reason they're not the entire truth is because storytelling is about keeping attention. And the parts of the story that grab our attention are the sexy and exciting parts. So when people tell stories, those are the parts that get highlighted. <laughs> and when we see success stories, they tend to miss all the boring stuff. <laughs> all the dull and mundane stuff that actually got them there. Let's talk about Steph Curry, one of the best hoopers of all time. When he's on the court, he plays around 35 minutes a game. He shoots the ball around 30 times a game. And because more of them go in than average and the other team can't guard him, he's been extremely successful, breaking records, winning championships, and getting some of the biggest endorsements. But we only see the highlights of him shooting the cool shots in the big games. Even from those 35 minutes a game, we see just the best moments. If they filmed a three-part docu-series on his success story, it would be a lie. <laughs> because most of the show would be around the big shots and the big plays. But they'd only show a couple clips of him actually working on his game, right? But if they wanted to tell the entire story, they would have to include every single time he took a practice shot, from the age of three to current day. <laughs> every time he did a dribble drill, every single 
time he watched film. It would be the most boring docuseries in history. It would be a couple thousand hours long. No one would watch it, except maybe me and my brother because we're fanboys. But that's besides the point. <laughs> the point is, stories are stories. <laughs> and this is the case for our favorite creators as well. We see the highlights. You know this. Intuitively, you know this. But they're in the background figuring out what works for them and on top of how we're being told stories and how we're perceiving them, maybe even more of a factor in how we perceive the success of others is that everywhere we go, we're not just being told the exciting parts. We're being sold only the exciting parts from a very young age. It's a strategy used by the smartest copywriters in the world. We walk through the grocery store and we see magazine covers that say, 10 tricks to get you eight pack abs in 30 days. Then we go online and we see a similar ad. Then we watch TV and it shows us the before and after pictures. <laughs> and then we see that same message over and over again. It's a quick fix. So we're conditioned to think that what it takes isn't an uncommonly long period of time. It also conditions us to think that we're not enough. <laughs> because if you think about an ad, right? An ad, you know the way ads are written. They present a problem, and then they position what they're selling as the solution. So all day long, we're seeing problems. And who is at the heart of that problem? Us. <laughs> You're not hot enough, so get this makeup. You're not cool enough, so get this watch. You're not fit enough, drink this tea. You're not high status enough, get this car. You're not enough, but if you get this thing, you can be enough. How many ads do we see a year? Every one of them telling us that we're not enough. So no reason that we don't think we're capable of amazing things. <laughs> then they package that idea of us not being enough with how their thing is the quick fix. And the idea of this quick fix is pervasive through the world of digital creators. Do these seven things make six figures. Quick hacks to get 100K subscribers. How to go viral every single time. And listen, there are cases where people do seem to make those jumps. But usually, the majority of the time, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. Typically, it's because someone was honing a skill in some way for a bunch of years and then applied it to a different vertical. For example, someone was editing videos for clients for five years, then decided to make their own channel. So it's actually why I'm kind of against the whole one video can change your life story that we're told. Not because it's not true, it absolutely can, but ultimately it sets people up for failure for two reasons. One, they create content that is out of their character or not true to them because they have, they, they are reaching for this viral moment. Then because they got that moment, they have to then live up to this brand that they created based off of this character that they created that they low key resent. And then they end up burning out because they're not aligned with how they're spending their time or two, because once they make 10 videos and they don't get that viral video that changes everything, they quit. Their expectations are all out of whack. But a better way of thinking is instead of one video can change your life is one library of content that you're consistently building, whether that's daily or weekly, can change your life. And one of those videos might go crazy and reach a bunch of people, but the habit of creating every day, the skills you're developing and showing up for the process is actually what's going to transform your life for the better. <laughs> so absolutely, there are things that you can do to implement 
to save time and, and, and to not you'll be more efficient with how you're spending your time towards these goals that you're trying to achieve. But 90% of success comes from the boring, mundane work and the habits you're implementing on a day-to-day basis. And the quick fix messaging is rampant that over time, it continues to condition us to think that's how things work. In reality, it's long and arduous. It takes tinkering. (laughs) It takes consistent time blocks every day doing the same boring freaking thing. (laughs) It's Steph Curry at A17 in the local court in the pouring rain for hours perfecting his mechanics, shooting the same shot over and over again when his boys are all playing video games in their comfy gaming chairs with nacho crumbs on their shirt. (laughs) It's the obvious things. It's the things that you already know that you don't need to scroll anymore to find out any more quick tip examples from. You don't need another example. Do the work and be the MF example. (laughs) It's exactly why I low-key stopped teaching about short-form content as much. I didn't want to be grouped in with the people selling something that wasn't true or sustainable. Everyone wants the hacks, but the true hack is boring. I'm going to say the word boring a lot. (laughs) You can't make a video about it because it's boring. (laughs) No one would watch it. But that's what it actually takes, which is why it's necessary to figure out how to love the process, because that's where you'll be spending your time. You have to find a way to enjoy the journey. I think I mentioned this on a previous show, but I was listening to a fitness podcast and the the guest, uh, the, the, the guest was, I forget who the guest was, but they Ask the guests, what's the first thing he does when he trains people to help them become more fit? He said, the first thing he tries to do is to get them to fall in love with the, fall in love with fitness because there's no quick fix. (laughs) And I love that as someone that like, you know, fitness is a fun hobby for me. uh, It made so much sense. It's, it made so much, it, it just connected when he said that because he said they're the ones that have to show up every day for themselves. They have to find ways to fall in love with the training aspect. Even when you're tired, even when, when you don't want to get out of bed, you have to figure out a way to enjoy that and not like enjoy it like you have to be laughing or like doing anything crazy. Like for me, for health and fitness, it might be geeking out over a new way to make sweet potatoes or researching local springs to figure out how to get spring water myself or just cheering for other people when I see them working on their health like I love doing that right my favorite thing is like I'll see someone jogging in the rain on a cold day or on a holiday and it makes my day I I low-key want to yell out the window and be like let's go baby (laughs) but like one I don't want to embarrass my wife and also I don't want them to like think I'm I'm making fun of them because I'm not like I'm cheering I, I, I see that and I'm like yes I acknowledge that and you know what I actually feel the same way about small creators like because I know the start is messy. It's similar to being in the gym and not being in the best shape. You feel like people are looking at you, judging you, all while you're not where you want to be. <laughs> and that's why I cheer for that. I know the guts it takes to put yourself out there, put your original ways of thinking out there, to fall and to get back up. <laughs> the absolute dog that you had to have in you to do that, right? I know you're cooking. I see you and I acknowledge it. And I don't care if your goal is to get 5 million followers or if you're at a full-time job that you just don't love and you want to make a YouTube channel about watercolor to make an extra rack a month or you're a, a waitress that wants to start a podcast about pickleball or you're a music teacher that wants to make a newsletter that teaches other music teachers how to teach music. <laughs> I don't, like which, whichever one is your goal, it, it would on that along that spectrum, 
you have to fall in love with the process. You have to be cool with swinging the bat and missing a hundred times. That's in the job description. And instead of sulking when you miss, you wink at the pitcher and you hop right back in the batter's box because you are built for this. You, you got to find ways to say, you got to keep coming back to this. How do I fall in love with this? As a creator, for me, I can tell you what I do. Part of the fun is actually tracking the progress and acknowledging the work that you put in. Put a little sticky note next to your work area and mark every day that you write or you record or you do the thing. Track your progress in the analog world. I think it's got to be physical because the digital world tricks us. <laughs> Since nothing is tangible, it's harder to see any actual movement. And I'm not just talking about movement in terms of followers or audience. I'm talking about forward actions that you're taking and skill development, actual time spent developing skills. Every time I write 30 minutes, I, I put a little tally on a sticky note next to my workspace. And when I see a check mark every day that I wrote 30 minutes and it starts to add up, and then after 30 days, that's 900 minutes that I spent improving a skill set, right? Like, the, true learning doesn't come from consumption. <laughs> true learning comes from application. So what's a better use of time? Watching 900 minutes on tips on how to write or writing for 900 minutes? Is that math right? I think I did that math right. 30 times 30? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> and, and, and while you're doing it, the same way I cheer for small creators and people working out, I need you to cheer for yourself. Acknowledge yourself. Be kind towards yourself. If you have a busy day and you're only able to work on that personal project for 20 minutes, amazing. <laughs> I, so I don't even know the, the, the psychology behind it. I know that it works though. Acknowledging the actual work that you put in seems to reinforce that forward behavior, that forward action. The actual work tends, like, especially as creators, the actual work tends to get overshadowed by the reinforcement we get from like followers, likes, comments, money, accolades, like all of those things. Like we forget the thing that's actually getting there. <laughs> so it's so important to recognize you and appreciate you for making this time, for creating this system and focusing on the boring stuff that leads to these outcomes. On top of that, what, what I would say is pick an arbitrary number, right? So once you hit this streak, give yourself something, <laughs> right? Get a massage, <laughs> eat your favorite pizza, do something physical that you can link directly towards that work in that time that you put in. Something that I, I actually, I haven't done, but I think it'd be a fun idea is get a bunch of marbles on Amazon and then get two mason jars, right? Have one jar filled up as like work potential. And then every time you do like a time block, take one jar and put it in the next jar. It just, it's, it's kind of minor, but it makes it physical, right? Like you can feel it. It's tangible. It's real. I got a, an embarrassing story to share. So <laughs> I got a lot of embarrassing stories, so this is just one of them. But I got this creek by my house. I walk down there with my dog, and I do these little meditative walks midday, right? Like after sitting in front of a screen for a while, it's just how I clear my mind. And I, I, I like it. I like getting in the nature for a bit. At the same time, I've been trying to do these uh, cold plunges. And I don't, I don't have a cold plunge. They're super expensive. Uh, I, I do the cold showers or whatever. 
uh, and, but I, I want to do the cold plunges, right? Because you see it on Instagram, you know, it looks cool, right? But I don't have a cold plunge, but I got this creek. <laughs> and every day I go down there, it's super shallow, but I can't jump in this creek, right? Because it's, 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 it's shallow. Like I, like it's like, you know, ankle deep, right? So one day I'm down at the creek and I had this brilliant idea. If I could build a dam, <laughs> it could create a pool and I could do these cold plunges. So as an experiment, I just tossed some rocks in and it didn't really do much the first day. Then the next day I went down there, I tossed a couple more and it didn't really, again, do anything. But after about 10 days of doing this, it, it would start to be this like miniature bath in the water. And I was like, all right, we're getting somewhere. And like, and like, to be honest, it's still way too shallow for a legit cold plunge. And I did get the sense that the local beavers were talking trash on it, but <laughs> it's definitely way better than I thought it would be. And the point is, it's hard to feel progress in the digital world, right? But I could see this dam. I could touch it. I could feel it. It was rewarding. But when it's just video uploads, it's easy to forget what you're actually doing, right? Like, like it doesn't, you, you work for a month straight and you're like, all I did was press a button, <laughs> you know? It, it's like, it's like hard to actually feel the work that you're putting in. So you have to connect the forward actions to something in the analog world. You can get creative with it however you want. Right, find a technique that works for you. This reinforces that you are the type of person that shows up for the work and that you can point to this and you can see your commitment to the process. You can see that it is real because it's not just one quick fix. It's all the little actions each day that add up to create that forward movement. So let's go into the, the, the next part without convincing yourself that you are smarter than you are. 90% of success boils down to doing the obvious thing for an uncommonly long period of time without convincing yourself that you are smarter than you are. We trick ourselves. We're creative people, right? So we trick ourselves. <laughs> we, got, we got ideas. <laughs> so we try to overcomplicate things. It needs to be perfect, so we procrastinate. We see a new idea and we start going for that. You ever do that? You create a new project as a distraction from the real work. <laughs> as you get further into a project, right, you're going to have brilliant ideas that pop up that aren't related to what you're working on. And when that happens, just make a list wherever you make lists and call it future projects. But right now, refocus your attention to what is right in front of you with the resources that you have access to. Unless you're entirely sure that you want to abandon this current project, like you know in your gut that you're you, like you just need to be spending time on something else, that's cool. Listen, I've been there too. And if you do, just do that and fully commit to the next thing. But most of the time, these new ideas just turn into us building 10 little random ideas with the bricks. Bricks being a symbol of the, the, uh, the time blocks that we have for creative work instead of building a foundation for a mansion with these bricks. <laughs> See, I find that most of the time, especially for creative people, as soon as they're about to publish something for the world to see, they magically have another idea that they want to pursue. And it's not about the new idea, though. It's about protecting their ego from what people's opinions on their original work might be that they spend so much time on because that thing that we created as is essentially part of our identity, right? And if the world judges that, that means they're judging us. So we want to avoid that. And a great way to do that is to have a new so-called better bright idea. But in reality, that's just another form of hiding. <laughs> 
<laughs> or, 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 or we trick ourselves about the idea of perfection, another form of procrastination. Instead of starting by getting one customer through the DMs, we had to create an entire 20 module, eight hour course with a new website and promotional landing page, right? Like instead of just getting someone from A to B, instead of creating just a portion of a song, putting it on TikTok and seeing how the audience responds, then building it from there, we create the entire album for months at a time, make 10 different versions of the cover art, shoot five different music videos, <laughs> and then we put out the song. Instead of starting a podcast by setting up one recorded call with someone that we're curious about, we construct a master plan to have a TV-like studio, all the cameras, top-end mics, and all the flashy editing. But uh, this is one of my favorite quotes. If you're not embarrassed by your first launch, you've waited too long. That is from Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. This is a true quote. If you're not embarrassed by your first launch, you've waited too long. And that's like not an excuse to put out something that like isn't of any value, right? Like, you know, if it's 80% there, it's probably good to pu publish, especially, especially as a creator. You can always update your course. You can always make new versions of your videos. You can always change the cover of your podcast or reimagine anything that you've created before. When you put something out, the response of your customers or potential audience is simply a data point. It's information. It, it, you respond to that information however you want, and you can respond by improving your process, making it better and continuing to build. I'm gonna tell you another story. This is the watermelon story. This one isn't as embarrassing, but uh, I was probably eight or nine years old and I was at my buddy's house and we were in his backyard and we were, uh, we were throwing, we were eating watermelons and we were eating watermelons and we were spitting them off the balcony. Uh, we were spitting them off the deck into his backyard. Uh, and then his mom came out and told us not to do that anymore, but, you know, we're eight. So what, are we going to listen to her? No. <laughs> so we keep spitting the watermelon seeds, playfully enjoying it, just, just like seeing how far we could spit them. I guess it's a little embarrassing to, to this story, but whatever. So, so <laughs> what happens is we obviously rebel, and then uh, a, couple, a couple months later, I come back to their house. And what do you know? <laughs> There's a full-blown watermelon patch in their backyard. Not only is there a watermelon patch, but they put a little fence around the patch to keep the critters out. They started watering it. They made sure it was in position to get sunlight. All from tossing watermelon seeds, spitting them into the backyard, having a little fun competition, right? Just experimenting. I, I don't know how much benefit that story is to creators, but I think about that. I think about approaching my content as if I'm playfully spitting watermelon seeds, <laughs> starting with what is right in front of me, maybe rebelling a little bit, maybe doing something that like not, not, not that many other people are doing. I actually argue that if we actually um, uh, set out to, to, to do a, get a watermelon patch in that backyard, I don't think we would have done it. Like, I think we probably would have spent a bunch of time, like, getting the equipment, getting, the, getting like, the right seeds, getting, like, we're studying books or whatever. Like, but we were actually just playfully, <laughs> like, competing, uh, just having fun. The other thing on top of that is, like, once the garden started to, to sprout, then they started building, creating the direction around it, saying, oh, there's something here. There's something, uh, the audience is resonating. That's a signal. What can we build from this now? All progress as a creator comes to iteration. I think, I think, I, maybe stop identifying as a creator. Start calling yourself a tinkerer. 
<laughs> right? If someone says, hey, what are you what are you working on? You say, I'm spitting watermelon seeds. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably not what you want to say. Say whatever you want to say. Don't take all my advice. <laughs> all right. So, uh, by the way, this whole entire episode has been a watermelon seed. I'm experimenting with a marketing idea for my podcast where I make a short form video about this, the tweet, the tweet that worked, knowing that it already works and use it to promote this episode of the podcast. So I, I took the signal of like, all right, I put I put out this this short form video and then, oh, I can create a long form knowing that this is resonating from this. So if you're uh, th th this is even to one up because you've listened to this in entire this entire episode, I'm going to give away five starter podcast microphones to listeners of the show. It's the Samson Q2U mic with the USB and XLR connections. Pat Flynn recommends it. It's a starter mic. It's around fifty five, sixty dollars. And and I want to give away five to my audience too, so you can start your podcast. And this is how you get it. You comment the word watermelon on a sh on the short form video that is featuring this tweet that, that promotes this podcast, right? And and share that short form video and or right. You don't have to do both or uh, share that short form video to your stories on Instagram and tag me with the word watermelon. And I'll be randomly picking five people to give those mics to. And I'll do the giveaway via my email list. So make sure you're signed up to that too. Bonusfootage.co. All right, back to you. <laughs> What's the MVP version that you already have that you probably already have sitting right in front of you right now? Work with what is right in front of you. Show up for the creative process on a consistent basis and publish before you're ready. In other words, 90% of success boils down to doing the obvious thing for an uncommonly long period of time without convincing yourself that you're smarter than you are. Thank you for listening and have an inspired day.